0: Welcome to the BizDad Podcast, where we dive into the melding of fathership and entrepreneurship with your host, the original BizDad himself, Adam Labar. Adam is a Christian, a former Air Force officer, a dad to three amazing kids, a coach, a real estate investor, and a business owner. On this podcast, he'll explore the unique journeys of amazing dads who are striving for greatness in both business and family. So whether you're a dad who is an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business owner, or simply a man striving to be a better dad, get ready as the BizDad brings you conversations to inspire, challenge, and equip you to be a better dad and entrepreneur. And now, here's Adam. Adam. What
1: is going on, everybody? Welcome to the BizDad Podcast. Thank you so very much for listening to the next episode. Um, Today, we have Marcus Long on. I'm really looking forward to having a conversation with him. He is also a military veteran, um, served 21 years in the Navy. but. um also does a bunch of real estate stuff which is great so we could talk real estate and military all day long so hopefully if you're listening to this that uh that intrigues you but also a father of two kiddos but i will let him introduce uh, his family his business um, tell us a bit about him but uh Mar- marcus thank you so much for jumping on like i said tell us a little bit about uh, yourself your family and your business
2: yeah thanks a lot for uh, having me adam i really appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to come on today and uh really you know just for creating um And promoting an environment, you know, where we kind of have these have these conversations to kind of uh, help each other out. And so, you know, as you mentioned, I'm a a husband to my my beautiful bride, Amy, and father uh, to nine year old Layla, nine year old daughter, and my six year old son, uh, Jackson. And so, just a little bit of uh, you know, kind of my background stuff. I grew up in most of my childhood, uh, one of five kids in in uh, northeast uh, rural Missouri. And so, I was kind of in in the middle, a couple older brothers, a couple younger sisters, and and I uh, left it enlisted for the Navy, you know, right out of high school. And I left, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I was a cryptologist. I did one tour at sea and got selected for a commissioning program. Went back to uh, uh, the University of Missouri, go Tigers! And uh, uh, after I got, that's where I actually met uh, met my wife, Amy, is while we were in college there together. And uh, she was in the RTC program and stuff. I got commissioned in uh, late two thousand seven and, and moved out to Hawaii and. She kind of moved out there probably six seven months later when she got commissioned and got orders as well. And I was riding subs. She was on a, a ship and stuff. And we got married during that uh, time in Hawaii. Um, we didn't see a whole lot of each other. It, you know, while we we're in Hawaii, as well as our next tour, we, we moved to San Diego after getting married. We were both on ships, so those first you know probably four years or so uh, of kind of being married, you know, we were both going to see quite a bit. Some back to back deployments. There was a lot of a lot of time apart, and we. Uh, eventually did a, a short tour in San Diego. I was a uh, third fleet staff and Admiral staff. And, uh, towards the middle of that, or latter half, it, Amy went to the re- reserves as we had our first daughter, uh, Layla in uh, 2014 and, um, sorry that, uh, yeah, 2014. And so after we left San Diego, we had, had to do some quick public math there real quick. And, uh, we <laughs> moved to, to Colorado, I was at the, the aerospace data facility out in Colorado and that's where our son Jackson Uh, was born. And then my final tour in the Navy, we had the opportunity to go to England. I was a a US cybercom exchange officer uh, to the United Kingdom. And so that's where I spent my final uh, final three years in the Navy and just retired uh, last October. So just a year ago this month. And we ended up deciding to move back here to kind of the Kansas City area. I say back to, I guess, back to the Midwest, if you will, Mm -hmm. about three hours from where I grew up. But uh, a lot of family stuff kind of drove that, you know, we live in Hawaii and San Diego and things. We thought we'd, you know, maybe go to a coast. Colorado was beautiful and sun- sunny and stuff as well. But, uh, you know, the kids didn't get to spend a lot of time around. the. Uh, like I have a, I have a large extended family and, and pretty mm-hmm. close in many ways. And, you know, they didn't get to see a lot of them. And so that drove some decisions to kind of, you know, be back around the Midwest, be closer to you know, grandparents and, and cousins and, and things of that nature. So that's kind of what brought us to this area for the time being. And, I had started uh, i've been you know in real estate and my real estate journey has kind of um spread throughout my my military career you know kind of that's probably kind of how it got started and mm-hmm. as I invested in other stuff and I got a lot more serious and intentional about it uh you know a couple of years ago as I was looking at my transition out of the military um, kind of on the horizon and you know what I didn't want a nine to five for for some very specific reasons, and it kind of drove me to be a little bit more uh, systematic instead of opportunistic in my real estate uh, journey. And so you know that's kind of what I'm doing now, primarily, you know my focus in inside real estate uh, now is you know uh, helping educate and provide opportunity uh, to investors, passive investors through the acquisition of multifamily and other commercial real estate and stuff so that they can kind of focus on the things that are important in their life, whether that's their, their W2 or travel or the family or Mm -hmm. whatever. So I'm just really enjoying doing that as well as being more present and available uh, as a father. And as I work through uh, this this transition, so that's kind of where I am today.
1: Awesome. Yeah. The, uh, uh, the military life can really it, it does that to a lot of people either they get focused on what the heck am I going to do after I want nothing to do with this type of thing anymore I need to figure something else out or they take off the uniform on Friday put on a suit on Monday and they're back in the same seat you know it's like that it yeah. tends to be what you you typically see at least on the Air Force side that's what we always saw but yeah. And it's,
2: yeah it's pretty similar you know in my work as a cryptologic warfare officer and stuff there's there's a lot of contract or government jobs and mm-hmm. it's very similar they come back in doing the same thing and those opportunities certainly available, but you know, I think that um, for me, a lot of the the deeper reasons why I chose to start to off ramp and, and get out of the military, uh, I kind of felt like if I did that, I would kind of be doing the same yeah. same thing and the same, and I re- really just felt like I needed to switch up uh, my own environment and stuff so
1: that I could be more present, um, you know, husband and father and yeah. you know, friend and things like that. And, yeah, no, I hear that for sure. That was part of the motivating factor for me to jump ship and it was just it was and that was enough it was hard to be present when you're getting sent around the world all over the place when you're doing deployments when you're doing this when you're doing that so um i completely hear that um so you said you were the uh you were one of five kids so tell me a little bit about your your life growing up about your parents um you know what it was like growing up as a as a kid
2: yeah, so you know, looking back, like we have we have so many great great memories, um, and you know, I think our in laws and stuff appreciate us sharing some of that. And um, shortly after I was born, the family moved to to Colorado for about about seven years, and my father went to college out there during the time. He managed a, a large uh, horse and cattle ranch and stuff. So I had two older brothers. One was about four years older than me. The other one was about two years older than me. And then my sisters are kind of similar, uh, two to three years younger, and and you know, four to five years younger. Uh, mm-hmm. so fairly evenly and evenly spread out and you know i think that we came from a pretty uh you know pretty humble background and stuff i you know i have memories of uh, times of going to you know pick up cans uh to buy school supplies and stuff for mm-hmm. my oldest brother um and stuff so there's certainly some of those in in my memories but like there's we never we never went without you know my my parents my mom was a teacher uh for most all of my my childhood and still just until recently when I when she retired and my father was you know uh, in ranching and, and farming um, he also worked in school systems and stuff as well and so we were out in Colorado about about seven years moved back to uh to missouri um where a lot of our family was kind of central there father you know like i said was worked on cattle farms and things of that nature and and you know, a pretty close family. I have like my mom's side of the family has, you know, 10, I think she has 10 brothers and sisters. And so a lot of first cousins, you know, a lot of, a lot of family mm-hmm. around and, um, really a big support system, uh, in many ways. And, um, and, you know, 2000, uh I guess it was probably when I was about uh, 13 year 13 years old. Uh, and we, my family started a, uh, business horse training and we had a tack shop and, um, you know, we raised a lot of horses and things. So I had a little bit of a family business, spent a lot of time uh, together there. And so as time went over, you know, I come from those humble beginnings and even on the farm and stuff, never had, you know, um, a lot and over abundance and stuff. But I think as we look back, the memories that we, we mm. created and stuff were probably more, more valuable than a lot of the, uh, the, the tangible um, yeah. aspects. But so, yeah, brothers, we were all like the siblings were fairly close. We, we had our sibling, uh sibling, differences uh if you will uh no way. we went to a, a little, five of you guys and <laughs> yeah. you had
1: sibling differences not yeah. a chance
2: <laughs> yeah yeah I, I haven't met any 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 other families like that and stuff yeah but yeah we, we're close like my, my mom we went to a, a private school you know up through like eighth grade and mm-hmm. you know our town from a small town so then went over to a, a public school after that And uh, my mom and other family members were um, a large part of the staff the teachers and stuff in that that school system okay and so Gives you kind of a, a little basis, and have you to kind of dig in there wherever you wherever you like.
1: Yeah, for sure. The you know uh, so from one to seven, or basically birth to seven. I mean, you were born right, uh, and then moved straight to uh, Colorado after that till seven years old. and Then you moved back. You said, yeah, I um, we went back to Missouri, kind of where near where I was yeah. born, and
2: that's really where I I grew up you know, until I left yeah. uh, for the Navy. Okay,
1: so you know you you mentioned the the experiences, and one one thing for me. Um, the experiences were always the things that i remembered <clears throat> the most mm-hmm. i grew up very much you know a, the only time we got to experience a, a lot was like like we never went on vacations we never did any of that that just there, there was no money for that, that just, so when the military moved my dad that's when we got to go on a vacation because we were driving mm-hmm. across the country so it was like man this is great we get to stay in this really nice hotel these really the cool things um but i think that it, it's it's led me to want to give the experiences to my kids as well and try to bring, bring them around different places and you mentioned in your bio um that your kids have been to like eight or nine different countries so do you think that yeah. um, y- your memory of the experiences there has wanted like led you to t- want to give the same thing to your kids or or was just you know hey i'm in england so we might as well travel around how do you think that kind of went
2: so I, I think there's a combination of, of things there right it's like uh, similar you know as you mentioned we didn't take a lot of a lot of big vacations and stuff, you know, a lot of times in the summer, you know, we'd go to, you know, St. Louis for you know a long weekend, go to a ball game in the zoo and things like that, you know, went to Branson or whatever, but we didn't take a lot of, a lot of large vacations and stuff either. Mm-hmm. But as we, especially today, you know, we're, we're in our thirties and forties, all my siblings. And when we get together, you know, as a family, as I mentioned earlier, kind of like, we do have rich memories and our, our in-laws, yeah. like the spouses and stuff, point that out a lot of times. And they're like, man, I don't remember." all this kind of stuff from our childhood and things. So I certainly do think that, you know, having an appreciation for the experiences and stuff, encourage uh, my wife and I to want to create that for, for our children. Uh, I think another aspect of the, you know, the, the wanting to travel and stuff is to help our kids be, appreciate culture, mm-hmm. you know, in many ways for, from both ways. Like the, right now they've went to a lot of places in Europe and got to appreciate different culture and stuff like that and um we haven't done as much of this but like longer term you know i also want to take them to other places like africa and you know mission trips and things like that so Mm -hmm. that they can also have appreciation of culture and and appreciation for the things that they they do have Uh, because i think that's a balance you you know as we grow up and you know we talk about not having a lot of material stuff growing up Mm -hmm. And sometimes that encourages us to want to provide that for our children, but you know, I don't want to go far right and them have those things, but not necessarily an appreciation of how privileged, you you know, they might be.
1: Yeah. So much agree with that. Yeah. It's, um, you know, we we even asked our son. Um, this is gonna be the first year that we're doing it, but we asked the boys. Um, you know, would they rather us buy them, you know, a gift or two, or have an experience for their birthday? And it was overwhelmingly, now we want an experience. So, you know, we're gonna take them on a cruise. They're gonna go have some fun on their for their birthday. Their birthdays are within like a week and a half of each other. Um, so we're going to take the boys out on a cruise and go do an experience and go see, go go check out Mexico and do different, and like, to me, that is so much more important to understand that, to get those experiences and those memories and where they come from. Um, uh, and and maybe that's because that's what stick, sticks out in my brain as well, is those are the types of things that I remember as a child, um, more than just about anything else, is the, the places that we got to visit. Um, I certainly don't remember really any of my toys. I, I've talked to some of my friends who are like, oh, yeah, I remember the GI Joe with the Kung Fu grip and all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't. I, I don't I remember any of that. Any I couldn't any. tell you any toys that I had other than my BB gun because I ran around the woods with that BB gun in my hand constantly. So um, that's the only thing I really remember.
2: That's probably what I, I could tell you. We had BB guns and like horses. You know, a lot of yeah. our experiences around horses mm-hmm. and stuff, but not, you know, toys and things like that. I couldn't, I probably couldn't tell you too much
1: there. Yeah, not at all. Um, so tell me specifically about your dad um, and kind of what's, uh, what sticks out to you as like the, the one or two things that you, that you really, you think you took from your father as, as, as a dad yourself now?
3: Yeah. So I, you know,
2: I was kind of thinking about this and I've had the opportunity recently to, you know, kind of ponder some stuff and, you you know, dad was pretty influential. Still is, uh, but certainly like growing up and as I, I left home and stuff, I spent a lot of time, a lot of time with my dad. And I think the one thing is when I'm thinking about it and thinking about like some parents today and stuff like dad was very present,
3: um,
2: with us in, in general, right? Like, you know, he didn't have to be deployed military wise or, you know, he wasn't on the road and stuff like that mm-hmm. a lot. Like he was present around home. He wasn't necessarily the, the sports coach uh, and stuff, but he was yeah. at of, all, most of our sporting events. He was, we did like 4-H and things like that when we were young and yeah. he was very involved in, you know, instructing, um And even, you know, sometimes when there wasn't other instructors kind of stepping up to do something that maybe he wasn't even comfortable with uh, a little bit. So he was always there to do that. And, you know, very, the family was all, you know, always went to church together on a regular basis. So always present. And as I mentioned, we were about 13. I'd worked on the farm even at a very young age and spent mm-hmm. a lot of time with dad. But when I was 13 is kind of when we started the, uh, officially started the horse business. And, uh, you know, there was a level of he gave us a voice, you know, even at that young age, he gave us a voice in the business. He asked our opinion. Uh, there was a lot of expectation, you know, for the work that we did, you know, we learned a lot of uh, hard work. And I think, uh, that said, that's a lot of the things that influence. And also like, mm-hmm. as we built that business, um, one thing I can tell you is like, we never, we didn't do very much marketing in the business. It was a lot of word of mouth, you know? And I think, a lot of that was uh, because of the man my father was. You know, he, he was kind of a man of his word. Uh, he was honest with people and transparent. And I got to you know kind of a firsthand look at that, like day in and day out, like mm-hmm. particularly in the summer. You know, when we weren't in school, but even in, during the school year, um, you know, after school when I was home or things like that, just to see his interaction and stuff. And not not all children get to see their their parents in that work environment, and that yeah. was like his, his work and how he dealt with customers. And so I you know I think you know having a front row seat uh, to seeing a lot of that was pretty impactful. Um, you know, as, as I left home and the man that I became, you know, in the Navy and my business and for my family. Yeah.
1: Okay. So what were, what were your roles at 13 years old, um, in the business and, you know, in, in that, in the ranching world?
2: Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we, we had some of the, the not so glorious ones, you know, like clean, mm-hmm. clean stalls and, you know, the chores, the feeding, uh, the horses and stuff But uh, dad, dad trusted us a lot too. Like he taught us, you know, he went, so he went to college for horse training and management and, you know, he managed the ranch when we were in Colorado. And so dad taught us a lot at home uh, about horse stuff. And although, you know, we were focused on training, like dad had a lot of, he wasn't a vet necessarily, but he taught Mm -hmm. us how to care uh, and do a lot of medical type stuff. And uh, my brother was actually a farrier, you know, did some horseshoeing and things like that. So he taught us a a broad spectrum of skills uh, around that. And, and and how to train and so we we rode and trained a lot of horses and we rode a horse just like uh, dad did and so and our customers knew you know that sometimes it was a 13 14 15 year old boy that was doing a lot of the the training but dad was Mm -hmm. there to kind of uh to watch and to monitor and you know step in if he needed to step in but we we probably took on a very you know he gave us very equivalent responsibilities as as he was doing
1: Awesome. So did you, did you guys like, you guys trained horses for other people so that they could have a fully trained horse, like breaking them and all that type of stuff. We did. Yeah. A lot of, uh, okay. you know, a variety of things, not necessarily, uh, you know, trail horses,
2: some, some cattle work, uh, just mm-hmm. like good solid riding horses. You know, I would say like, you know, people that wanted like really finished show horses or something, a lot of times like we would start them and then they might take them to someone to finish or, you know, we, we would, you know, some race horses, we'd like leg them up and get them in shape. And then they would take them to like a, a Professional t- for race training and stuff like okay. that. But we really
1: specialized on anywhere from probably the first 30 to 120 days on a horse. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I used to be a dog handler back in the day. And uh, mm-hmm. so I, other people I've talked to, I mean, it, like training an animal is training an animal, so I'm always curious about how the, how local that yeah. works. So, uh, not that we need to get spend a bunch of time in, in this podcast to discuss that, but I'm very I'm interested. That's uh, my wife loves yeah. horses, so if I could figure out how to do that to bring horses into uh, into her world, I'm sure she'd be thrilled. Uh, we just have to convince her to retire at 20, so that way we can do that and not have to worry about moving the horses. But um, yeah, yeah, it, it makes it a little more a little more challenging. Uh, yeah, especially if we you know they send us to overseas again or something, right? So um, good luck with that um all right so fast forward um you uh, you join the military you get married um you have kids tell me like what what are your kids favorite thing to do right now um especially i want to i want to hit on the fact i mean you've been retired for a year especially over the last year what has been kind of their their go-to now that they've got their dad full-time quote-unquote full-time yeah so i mean i would say that my
2: my son is at the age that he's been he's starting to get bigger into sports right so like mm-hmm. this year he had a uh, early on had a soccer. So when we were in England, you know, he kind of started playing like some soccer and and stuff at, at school. They had some you know lessons and things like that. But he's just at the age now where really the first organized seasons of soccer, uh, baseball, flag football, and so you know he's very much enjoying that. And and when he wants me to play with them. That's often, you know, dad, can we go in mm-hmm. the backyard and throw the ball? And sometimes in that, you know, in a 30 minute session, we, we do all three, uh, yeah. you know, do one for a little bit and, and make a switch and things like that. So and my daughter is, uh, she's a little less uh, interested in like team sports. She's a little more artsy. You know, she loves to, loves to draw. She reads a lot and but her kind of from a physical thing and stuff is, uh, she's gotten into um uh, aerial arts, aerial silks and stuff like that. Since we, mm-hmm kind of came back in the past year and that was interesting. We we moved here and had dinner with a a friend that I went to school with before the school year started and they uh her daughter was doing a similar age and was doing that. That's kind of what exposed my my daughter to it. And so we've got her into lessons doing that. And she's really enjoyed it, which I appreciate too, because it's it's artistic, but also something like physical. Yeah. And and stuff for her to do. So those are some of like the kind of activities and, and stuff if you will that they've really been enjoying over the past year.
1: Okay. Very good. Um, and I would imagine just being involved in it is probably going to be a lot more fun. Uh, I don't know. How how involved were you able to be with your previous... I know some military jobs, I, I hear that. I mean, they, some folks I talk to, they're like, oh, yeah, I work like six hours a day. It's no big deal. And I'm like, I don't... I never had one of those jobs. I don't know. Uh, but uh, um, what kind of uh, life do you feel like y- you had while you as a dad in the military versus now that you're out? Yeah, so
2: you know, I will, I will say that I was blessed in my final tour in England of uh, the sense that it was, a. Um, you know, I wasn't at a military base. It was kind of a civilian closed job. Um, mm-hmm. I was like the only U S military at the location where I was. And, um, of course COVID and stuff happened too. Yeah. So I spent a lot more time at home, but in, in that job also, like they did a lot of, in England, they did a lot of the activities, particularly at the school that our children it, were in at the age they were in, like they went swimming during the school mm-hmm. day. They, you know, did a lot of soccer during the school day. Uh, they did a lot of that stuff during the school day. So that was nice from a organizational perspective, and not having to, you know, run all over town for all these different things. But it didn't give us necessarily the opportunity to be quite as quite as involved, um, you know, with them. And of course, we we're at home a lot. Yeah. But I will say that you know, prior to that, and and really one of the you know, I've, I've kind of shared this story in the past a few times. Like one of the things that drove me to decide to get out of the military was. In my tour prior to that, when we were in, in Colorado, and I was, I was even on a, you know, shore duty, if you will. And I was, you know, working, I was away from home probably 10 to 12 hours a day, um, mm-hmm. pretty regularly. You know, I was, I was usually at the office at six o'clock and generally was trying to, you know, make it home in time for dinner yeah. and stuff. And one, one day I, I came home and it's like three o'clock. And, you know, my daughter, I think she's three or four at the time and she asked, you know, daddy, what do you, what are you doing here? And mm-hmm. so I, you know, I came home to spend some time with you guys and she, she's like, but it's still light outside.
3: <laughs> and,
2: um, you know, it was a, it was a pretty immediate, like, um, yeah, it was hard for me to take. Um, and I, I was, at, you know, at that point in time, I was still about, I don't know, probably three years from even being eligible to retire.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh, three or four, uh, you know, I'm not do the math right at the moment, but I, you know, I saw a few years left and I pretty much decided like, um, I have, I really don't have any zero, you know, interest in promoting and continuing on, yeah. um, you know, I said, and that goes back to, as I mentioned earlier, like I didn't want to just take off the uniform and come back in to do the same, yeah. same thing in the same environment. You know, I knew I had to, to off-road, you know, so I would say er- early on, you know, not very, I wasn't very present. Fortunately, the kids were very young at mm-hmm. that age. And, you uh, know, I, you know, I, would, I would hope didn't notice, but obviously my, my daughter did, you know, yeah. At, at that age so i was blessed in england and uh, but that was one of the very important things that i made this like transition over this past year my decision not to you know have a nine-to-five or any kind of like specific w-2 and, and even as i build my you know business as an entrepreneur um it it takes a lot of intentionality mm-hmm. you know to to design my schedule and that's one of the things i've kind of worked on over this past year is to like you know design my schedule in a way that you know i can. Be present as they're getting ready to go to school for the day. My wife a lot of times goes to the gym. I kind of help you know wake them up, make breakfast, make their lunch if they're sitting and things like that. uh, I mentioned before we started recording. I just got back from from school. I was volunteering at the school cafeteria today, and like to be able to work that kind of stuff into um, into my schedule. And so most of my calls I do kind of during the day. You know, usually like once they're out of the house, school, and like try to get them finished before
3: Mm -hmm.
2: you know they come home, and that way, you know, when they come home. From school, you know, they they play out in the, the the street a lot with the neighborhood kids and stuff. And if they're if they're doing that, you know, maybe I'll continue to work on something. But if they come in and say, "Hey, Dad, can we go throw the ball in the backyard?" You know, the the answer is yes, yeah. right? Like I have nothing that is in the calendar that's going to take uh, take away from that. And and then so I'm available for their ball games and and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So it's been it has been a shift, but it was a very intentional decision, and and still something I work on every day uh, yeah. to make sure that I kind of stand stand true. Uh, to the priorities and what i said i was doing things for
1: yeah And I, I think that's uh, one of the hardest parts and you know from what i've you know, the conversations i've had is is we tend to you know in the military side they're telling us what to do right the military's telling you what to do where to go and it's it's hey you know I'm, I'm going because i have to and you know even if even if we don't have to spend 12 hours a day at work we still feel like we have to just because of what our duties are and where we're at and um there's always that 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 pull um and I've noticed that the entrepreneurs can tend to do the same thing. Like I'm doing all of this for my family. I'm pushing hard. I'm pushing hard. I'm growing this thing so that I can, you know, for my family, for my family, for my family. Uh, oh, when was the last time you saw them? I don't know. Two weeks ago, right? Like, okay. So, are you really doing it for your family? So that intentionality behind that, you know, and and um, what has been your thought on, you know, as you're as you're doing that intentionality? Like, have you thought about? um the the long term right where where you want your business to grow to where you want your uh net worth your passive income all of that stuff to grow to um versus um the the time spent with the kids and i i don't know how how to to word that better at the moment but i mean there's obviously a the more time we spend with our kids the harder it is to grow our business the way we want to but the but man, the kids are the like that's that's one of the biggest whys behind what we're doing. So, how have you kind of started thinking through that and balancing that out? Yeah. So yeah, you know, it's a great question. Like I,
2: I have my you know family goals and business goals and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, without getting into necessarily the black and whites of those, I think that for me, something I you know I kind of realized is like, sure, I want I want to grow the business, but it yeah. it it's not um, it. Even things I've done in the past year, you know, the partners that I work with and things like that. Early on, I was thinking like, "Hey, I'm going to do more in our partnerships so that I can have a bigger chunk of the pie." Mm-hmm. Right? Like that was my thought process before I left the military and, and some of the early partnerships as we started some stuff. And what I realized really is, you know, hey, I have some partners that are phenomenal in in certain aspects of our business, and while well, it's great for us to each under understand the different roles. And things like that, I, I really become okay with having a smaller chunk of the pie, you know, and and it being more flexible. You know, it may mm-hmm. not happen to spend as much time, you know. So sometimes the roles that I'm I'm good at and choose to do provide me more uh, flexibility and don't have certain like time constraints on, on when we do them and stuff. And and I, you know, I really, you know, I think sometimes we think, and of course, you know, my business name and stuff like a long legacy and stuff like sometimes when we think like legacy whatever we talk about like the things that we pass down monetarily or mm-hmm. uh, you know things like that and even since i started you know the, the business a few years ago uh it's helped me and, and of course you know you know because we, we were connected through Stu grazier and stuff in uh, the, the kinetic man mastermind and you know, i've surrounded myself with other uh, uh men and stuff in the conversations i have with them on a weekly basis have really helped me to appreciate, you know, these uh the other aspects of a legacy. You know, the, the things we do, the memories, the experiences that we create. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of ways to kind of pass down a legacy other than just monetarily. And and I, so I think, you know, the conversations with some people that are a little bit further along than I am, and you know, I don't know if you've ever read the the book, The Family Board Meeting, but kind of like the mm-hmm. subtitle of it, you know, uh, eighteen summers to create a lasting impression. And you know, so recently when my daughter turned nine years old you know i was kind of like oh man that's half over halfway through right right? so yeah so i think that you know having conversations like we're having today having conversations like i'm having in the tribe you know of men that i'm with have really it's not always easy right Mm -hmm. but have helped me um and i don't i hate to use the word balance because it's a constant balancing act yeah but i think they have helped me prioritize and appreciate this time with my family, like we have, we have enough, right? Like I don't need to grow the business for us necessarily. Yeah. My desire to grow the business is more to to help other people, and you know, from a monetary perspective, you know, to to be able to give back more and things of that nature, right, and stuff. And so, I I, I don't know if that it's probably a, not a black and white answer, or anything to your question, but it is something that's a, you know a constant um, conversation with yep. myself, with my spouse, like with my friends of men and stuff as we talk about that.
1: Yeah, I think that's a, a it should be the way it is, is a constant uh, push, push and pull, like trying to figure out which direction you need to go. And um, uh, what, what sort of conversations have you had with, with Amy about this, about like what your goals are as parents, what your goals are as business operators and how involved is she on the business side of the house? Yeah. So, uh, first
2: to answer the easy one is she's not really involved in the business. So she, uh, I don't remember if it was before recording, but she's in the Navy as well. Mm -hmm. been about 16 years or so split some time between active and reserves, but right now she's, uh, uh, on active duty for a couple of years. And so she's kind of full-time doing that Uh, even before when she was just doing reserve, I shouldn't say just when she was doing reserve uh, time there. She was not involved in the real estate business. She's aware, you know. She knows yeah. many of my partners. Uh, if something were happening to me, she would know who to go to to, you know, ask and stuff about them. So she's aware, but not in the, the details. From a conversation perspective and stuff, you know, I won't say that we necessarily have a great like framework, you know, week by week or anything. But like, we do things like the you know annual like kind of couples goal uh, you know retreat, couple goal retreat and stuff where we talk about like. You know, what do we, what are our business goals? What are our goals for our family? All within like a day or two. So we're having those kind of conversations. uh, You know, what characteristics do we want our kids to kind of grow up with and stuff? And then I think that, um, you know, kind of throughout the year. And so, of course, my, my conversations also with like within the kinetic man tribe and the things we're doing kind of give me give me an opportunity because we talk about some different topics each month Mm -hmm. and stuff. And those give me an opportunity to kind of refresh and think about what I'm thinking about it. But then also, you know, maybe ask Amy a few questions like, Hey, this is what we're talking about. Like, here's some thoughts I had. Do you agree or not agree? Or you just kind of have a kind of a nonchalant conversation, but it kind of sees if we're on the same, same page. And, you know, I think like day to day, it is, More like we kind of observe our kids, you know, like the characteristics that they're having. Do we like, you know, behavior type stuff or, and we kind of have conversations, you know, maybe the kids are outside playing and, you know, we say like, you know, you know, Layla's had, you know, X behavior recently. I'm not sure what's causing that. And like, think about like, hey, is it something that we're doing? Yeah. You know, that we can adjust? Like, are we not giving them enough focus or, you know, trying to reward? Like last night Jackson had a baseball game and, you know, he just it was really awesome to watch. His like, uh, you know, him high fiving his teammates even when mm-hmm. something like not great happens, or you know, his his hustling and stuff down the baseline. We just try to like reward that kind of stuff, and to kind of to get back, you know, to the point you're kind of making. I think that uh, one example I've given, you know, to a lot of people is my, you know, I, I mentioned earlier being present for the kids in the morning. Mm-hmm. And it used to be that. You know, I was trying to get work done. I'd go wake them up, go back to my computer, try to get some work done. They went back. They're not, they're not dressed right. Like I get upset because I get upset. They get upset. Yeah. The whole morning routine was a, a disaster. Yeah. And so that was one of the things when we came back, like I have an hour on my calendar that's like time with the kids. Yeah. Right. And it, it, it generally makes things a lot smoother where I can go wake them up and kind of be patient, you know, just kind of spend some time with them. Um, You know, they know that I'm there for them. It's a lot Mm -hmm. smoother of a a morning and stuff. And so I think that we kind of let these like daily, um, you know, how's the family doing? How are the kids doing? Not necessarily drive the conversation, but I think we can see like, okay, maybe I've spent a little bit too much time on the business and I need to focus Mm -hmm. on the kids a little bit more right now and things like that, whether you can kind of shift back and forth. So.
1: Okay. Are you, are you guys, do you guys have like the type of relationship you and your wife that, that you're able to call each other out on those types of things? Oh, my dog is jumping up on my desk. Lovely. Oh. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I think we do, you know, we, we try not to do that in front of the kids, you yeah. know, uh, just yeah. to, to try to, to try to show that support. And I think that we are, uh, yeah, we generally have that kind of conversation and, you know, I don't know if it's always black and white where you're calling out like, Hey, you really screwed this one up. You know, sometimes it's kind of like, Hey, you know, what's been going on and kind of asking to kind of see where the other, whether the the other person is, you know, maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe there's some stuff going on in my business that I haven't like expressed, but she might be able to see that, you know, kind of, uh, physically, or maybe I've been a little bit different the past week or things like that. And so she kind of asks and kind of gives me that, the hint you know that hey you know the kids could use some time or or vice versa and stuff so yeah i think we're we're pretty good about being open i think the uh the harder part probably for a lot of us is being receptive
3: you know um,
2: of that like you know is is even sometimes we often know it's the truth you know when we get called out it Mm -hmm. probably hurts because we know it's the truth right and so i think being receptive of that and trying to uh, adjust our actions kind of going forward
1: yeah i i mean i i think that reception especially I, I, I don't know this is obviously a generalization but as men we don't really you know want to want to hear some of those things like no i'm doing this because i need to do blah 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 whatever and but but we do we definitely need to be able to hear that and tag damn it he got something off my desk one second man get a puppy they said sure yeah get a puppy while you have a baby in the house yeah it'll be great man oh man it'll be wonderful yeah and uh, you know in case my kids don't try to get on the podcast enough now i've got my dog wanting to get on the podcast lovely well but, you know i was gonna you
2: know say yeah and it's something i was gonna comment on earlier actually is like i uh, you know i've listened to a, a few episodes and you know they, they pop in from from time to time and uh you know i, I have i have an appreciation for you know that you know, your, your patience and nonchalance about that, because, uh, actually interestingly enough, Stu Grazier that connected us, like we had some conversations mm-hmm. even going back a couple of years ago when I, when I was in England and first starting to really spend a lot of time on zoom and phone calls for, for the business, you know, early on, I'd kind of get fru- frustrated, like, you know, yeah. the kids like, you're making too much noise, like, out of know, mm-hmm. the camera, you know, whatever. And, and my wife probably will tell you that I still kind of, uh, you know, get concerned about the noise because sometimes it gets so loud that like I'm having a hard yeah. time hearing my think and, and conversate. But point being is that over time, you know, as we talk about doing the business for the family and stuff like that, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's not a big deal. If my son like walks in here and sits on my lap for a few minutes while I'm talking to somebody yep. and, and things like that. And so I kind of got you know more, more comfortable and, and open with that. And, you know, I think that's another e- example. Like they, if I'm always just shoving them, them out like all they know is like daddy's behind a computer like yeah. it doesn't mean anything anything to them i'm not doing it for them right yeah. and so for them to be able to come in and see and they, they start to you know see some familiar faces they see some of my partners that they know and have you know we've been with overseas and things and you know they get to w- wave to them and say hi and that makes it a little bit more of them understanding like oh, okay yeah. you know i understand what dad's doing and it's not just you know something that, that they don't they don't understand behind a computer
1: yeah. Too often, though, they walk in and I have a spreadsheet open or something in front of me and they're like, I don't, I don't even know what the heck you're doing, dad. Right. But, but I, yeah. I think that, you know, uh, to me, involving them in some of these conversations and involving them in the understanding of what the business is. And um, like, even this morning, my four year old was like, daddy, come do this, this thing. I was like, buddy, daddy's got to work. And he's like, "Why do you have to work?" And I said, "Well, so so that we can earn money and we can, you know, do the stuff." I don't yeah. understand why sitting there is earning you money. Like I was like, "All right, well, let's let's chat yeah. about what that means." You know, like yeah, mommy's yeah. at an office somewhere, and that's where she's earning money, and I'm in this office earning money and having the conversations. And it was one of the reasons, even I did, I, I started doing homeschool is so that I could influence them a little bit more and be a little bit more involved in what's uh, what they're actually learning. Uh, across the board, not just you know the the pure hey here's here's math and science and social studies and all the stuff but um but like as a whole like it, here's business stuff here's life stuff here's you know a, a struggle that daddy's having at work here's you know like all of the stuff I want them to be involved in and be a part of and um get to see it um it does ma- i mean honestly it does <laughs> i i think it's a lot more difficult to do it this way for sure i'm um, you know there's some struggles yeah. involved uh but you know, I, I, one of the guys that uh, I talked to about the homeschool before I started doing the homeschool, he was like, Hey, the biggest thing I keep telling myself is, would I, would I, is there going to be a time where I'm mad that I had that much extra time with my kids? And the answer's always going to be no. And it's, you know, that, yeah. that there's no way I'm going to be upset about that. Um, however, this yeah. dog, I might get upset about that. Goodness gracious. <laughs> what are you doing, dude?
2: Yeah. Well, you, you know, I mean, we're sitting there like talking about like the kids, the kids being around like the homeschool and stuff and, you know, kind of I mean, make, you know, reminds me as I was talking about earlier, like the amount of time I spent with my dad, Yeah. you know, like yeah. you know, on the farm or things like that. And so there's a lot of lessons like, and dad, dad probably never like claimed to be like a businessman, you know, mm-hmm. uh, he and mom, like even today, like I help them like thinking about like investment type stuff, you know, they, yeah. they taught us. When we were younger, like we, you know, we did the 4 H and, you know, sold hogs and whatever. And so they kind of taught us, like, hey, you give X amount to, you know, church and we save this much and you can have this much for spending. And, you know, so they helped us. Like we went and got like loans and, you know, basic finance type stuff. And then mm-hmm. by being with him every day, you know, we had like inventory in the tax shop and being able to do like a sales receipt for somebody or whatever. And so, like I said, dad would never probably consider himself like a businessman and things like that. But I, I learned a lot of lessons or at least like, enough to kind of get me started and interested and in, in going yeah, in a certain sure. way from the amount of time I spent around him. And it's harder, you know, in some ways to do this when we're doing a lot behind the computer and stuff, mm-hmm. instead of like out at the barn or in a shop or whatever that might be. And so sometimes it take, probably takes a little bit more intentionality, you know, for us to, to try to incorporate them and see how we can you know, share some of those
1: lessons. Yeah, it's uh, uh the intentionality it, it, you know I think I think that's been said probably six times since we've been talking just like being intentional yeah. right it's got to be a part of it and and to me I mean it's it's mandatory like I I I used to say um and I still if I'm completely honest, struggle with it, I'm, I'm trying to convince myself the other direction. But, um, some people were like, Hey, you need to be intentional about your calendar in so much that you even put the time in there for your kids. Like this is, this is time for your kids in your calendar. And I used to hate that because I told myself, I was like, man, why? I don't want to just make room on my calendar for my kids. And like, they're just another part of my calendar. Um, and then somebody basically, you know, uh, verbally slapped me across the face. It was like, no, 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 what you're doing is you're protecting that time so that nobody else can get involved in any of that time that is their time all the time their time and i'm like man that is a definitely a better way of looking at it and like changing that perspective and that understanding of how i like how i even look at it like the intentionality behind even perspective can change like the the um the will and desire to do certain things Mm -hmm. um so any um anyways the um uh, you mentioned a couple times uh, uh, church. So, did you, did you grow up in the church? Um, it sounds like. Um, and what? Uh, and first off, what what kind of what kind of church? And then what what was it like? You know, uh, growing up in in your faith. Yeah. So, my I grew up Catholic. I've
4: been you know
2: Catholic all my life. Um, my mom's side of the family was predominantly Catholic. My my dad grew up Baptist, later became a a Catholic, and. Uh, Today he's actually well. He's a retired uh, Catholic deacon, and stuff. Mm-hmm. so he be, he became a deacon in the in the church after I
3: had left home and stuff. Mm-hmm.
2: But yeah, I grew up uh, a Catholic. The family, you know, always in, in the church. By when we moved back to Missouri, we my mom uh, had a job at the Catholic school, and that's where we all went to, to school. All My siblings and I went up into the eighth
4: grade, and in you know, small town, everyone went to the. Uh, public school so yeah i mean it was pretty you know admittedly you
2: know at a young age you know you kind of you know, our parents went so we always went and mm-hmm. you know sometimes it, i think it's easy and i think this is you know regardless of, of faith and stuff a lot of times it's like it can be kind of routine and it yep. gets to a point where you you think oh this is just kind of routine but how much am I, how much am I there present and, and stuff? And I think that's true. That could be true for adults, uh, in reality and stuff. As mm-hmm. well, like, Oh, I just, I go Fair on Sundays, much. but are you really present when you, when you go? But I think it, you know, even if that, it does become routine at times, I think that routine is important, uh, you mm-hmm. know, because the difference of, of when you are there or, or not. And, there, you know, ad, admittedly, and I even, you know, I remember, you know, challenging, you know, my parents at times, like when it was time for me to get confirmed um, in high school. My parents helped with like the confirmation stuff, and you know, the whole thing was like, you know, when you were baptized, someone else made that choice for you, and now when you're being confirmed, that's you making that choice for yourself. Yeah. And I, I was kind of like, I don't, we're, we're in high school. Like a lot of us are still here because our parents want us to be here. Mm-hmm. Right. And it wasn't, that wasn't like a, um, me not wanting to be confirmed. I was just like, it still seems like our parents are kind of, you know, yeah. like, And that, it wasn't forced, you know, my parents weren't forceful. Well, they, they had, were very good. And people that know them, um, know, especially with my dad being a deacon now and my mom does a lot of ministry and things like that. My my parents are very open and easy to have conversations with about this kind of stuff. But, you know, and then, you know, when I went to, uh, I went to the Navy, you know, I, I never necessarily like left faith, but it was, it was, became much more difficult, you know, you know, how like yeah. deployments and stuff, oh, yeah. and things like not having, you know, you get out of the, the habit of going to mass or, or church or, you know, whatever, depending on your religion and stuff. And just like any other habit that can be very difficult to kind of, to kind of come back to. And, stuff. and, and there were sometimes I was on deployments where my faith was probably stronger, you know, because the challenges mm-hmm. I was going to. You know, or even if I, I wasn't going to Mass on Sunday type of thing, it was still a, uh, you know, I, I needed something. And, you know, that's kind of uh, one of the things I, I fell back on. And certainly as we, you know, started having uh, children, my wife and I became, um, you know, more, uh, you know, I'll say intentional and stuff again. But to make sure, like, yeah. we, we were we were going on a regular basis. And and again, even at a young age, I think if they're not always, like, present, but then like, them seeing us there and involved... And it, it drove a lot of our decisions, uh, too, as we were coming back to the States, you know, recently. And I, I live in a great county, uh, southwest of Kansas City. Public school system, you know, is, is probably pretty solid, you know, for, for public schools. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, you know, I had some friends that kind of, you know, asked me, like, why? These are just, like some of the best schools in the country. Like, why are you sending your kids to? a private school, you know, paying money out of pocket to do that. And you know, there's there's a a few reasons there, but like one of them is like the the private school they go to today, it's right next door, you know, to the church. And Mm -hmm. much like when I was I was young, you know, they go to Mass during the week. We go again like on the weekend. The church is very much ingrained. You know, church leadership is ingrained and works very closely connected with with the school. And you know, that faith and that type of presence in the school system is just a uh, part of their daily life, you know, yeah, and stuff, and so it's, it, yeah, it's been a, a priority, you know, for us. Awesome,
1: and I, I think there were some some parallels in what you're saying too, with with the church and the business, like like it, the business can become so, you know, it just is on autopilot, and you don't really think about it, but if it's. It, it, but for having that system already there, right, and, and you know, the, mm-hmm. the Bible kind of lays out a bunch of stuff that we should be doing, and if we're able to, um, you know, especially in, in the Catholic Church, there's even, you know, the, the, the Catholic Church has laid out a bunch of things, and that yeah. keeps everybody in that rhythm and keeps that business, obviously, not not church not being a business, but keeps that business right. rolling the same way that if we have that stuff set up in our business and that stuff set up in our life— um, sure it may be routine but that means you're routinely checking the boxes and making things making sure things happen that help kind of move those things forward um but i think you also hit on a point that you know if it becomes too routine and you're not thinking through those things are you really growing are you growing in your faith or is your Mm -hmm. business growing the way it needs to be are you growing as a dad the way you need to be or are you just hitting the check marks to make sure that you know you're fulfilling the the requirements this you know this week for you know insert you know part of my life here um uh, what have you done to kind of avoid that? Um, I'm going to turn that back to the business side. Like, uh, have you found that being a thing in the business side for you, um, uh, before or, or currently? Um, and if not, why do you think you haven't, uh, found yourself just stuck in a routine? So,
3: yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a good question. I don't know if I would necessarily
2: say I'm felt super stuck yet. I'm probably like on the mm-hmm. earlier you know, the earlier, there's been enough like transition a little bit, right? The first couple of years that after I started, it was kind of before I retired. And it was, you know, I was working the military job during the day a lot of times. And and of course, this was in England. So I'd come home, you know, usually a couple hours in the morning before I went to work. I'd do the military job, come home and, you know, sometimes be on calls or stuff till 10 o'clock at night, you know, we were six hours ahead of the time zone in which you know most of our operations and stuff were so I would know making calls and zoom and stuff like that and so I certainly don't think there was a lot of time during that period to get bogged down you know I was trying to try to build it kind of quickly to ensure that it was a little further down the runway as I made the the transition and I, you know I will say this this whole like last year since we kind of moved back and I'm balancing that business and family and stuff like like that. There's some, there's some times I'm trying to figure out like what is the right amount of time,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know. But it has been a, you know. I, that's what have been one of my focuses over this year is to try to think about like for the for the family and myself, like where do we kind of want to be. And so perhaps the reason I haven't felt like I've gone too routine and you know just been with the family all the time and no, no business is. Just the time scale, kind of like military, you know, every three years, they're kind of PCS and stuff. And yeah. so, yeah. That, building it up quick for the first two years. And then, you know, the, the transition over here in the past year. But I can certainly see one of the things, you know, about this, like like I've been working from home most of the time. Yeah. And I realized very quickly, like, I, I don't really enjoy it that much. I like the, the <laughs> ability to be able to do some stuff from home, but I'm also pretty social and stuff right and so a a variety of things like you know there's other aspects of mental things like we don't think about like it's super sunny here today but we have like mature trees right outside the house right and so it's like it doesn't look like that much like natural daylight in the house and so i think just from a mental health perspective and things like i am i've become like self-aware you know over some of these things over the past year when like i'm the only one in the house it's not super sunny and things like that and so i'm trying to figure out like i recently you know started going to like a co-working space sometimes yes. to like just break up the environment be around some other people and do things like that and so that's some you know kind of a, things i'm trying to just to do just to you know see what kind of what works what doesn't work what kind of feels yeah. right and you know, just make some adjustments
1: yeah i'm selfishly asking that question and because i i I find myself doing that the uh almost the routine stuff to the point where i'm mm-hmm. i'm um doing more transactional work at this point as for instead of transformational like it's just like okay let me just knock these things out because i know they need to be done and it's like man i really like i'm not moving the needle as much as i feel like i should be or where i'm going to be and like i'm catching myself in that rut and maybe it's because of the same thing like you know the military forced you to kind of move around all over the place and do different things and that that forces you to kind of adjust your adjust your clock uh, right about the time you're getting into a good solid routine on on you know doing those transactional versus transformational they're like ah, you're going yeah. go learn something new yeah i i can
2: i can really appreciate you know that uh that aspect of what you just said though because um i i can see that you know in in my own routines over this past year is you know trying to protect that time for kids on the front or back end of the, the day and you know, I have a number of calls. Like I, I do I do some coaching, you know, real estate coaching in a, a mastermind. I've also been you know doing some real estate coaching in or not real estate coaching inside the Connecticut Command. And so I have some of those things kind of you know kind of give me some purpose mm-hmm. a little bit outside of my own business necessarily. Mm-hmm. But also in between some of those calls or you know maybe calls with investors or whatever, sometimes you are doing those more you know transactional or you know just checkbox type things. And one of the things I've done probably in the last three or four months is I I hired a full-time assistant and that has not to say that, you know, I'm still working on that, you know, our processes and our our Mm -hmm. relationship and what she's doing and things. But one of the things I have found is a lot of those kind of checkbox type things between calls or whatever, I'm starting to be able to hand off to her. It's like, when we get finished recording this podcast, I'm not like, Oh, I need to do X, Y, Z, you know, it's like, okay, she has that. And, you know, maybe I can mm-hmm. block off some more time for those, like, transformational things yeah. that you're talking about, right? Instead of, like, just always have, I mean, us entrepreneurs, we always have a thousand things running through our head. But yeah. if I can get, you know, 900 of those off of, off of my head, maybe, <laughs> then I can kind of, you know, hopefully try to create a little bit more time yeah. where, you know, I have some focus and, you know, whether I'm creating some content or creating something educational.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: What sort of tasks have you passed off to the assistant? Well, first of all, how long have you had the assistant uh, since the end of July? Okay, um, and then what kind of tasks have you passed off, and how have you made a um, a system, if you will, to to make sure that the things that all those checkmark things are still getting done, and you know, like the yeah, you know, the mechanics behind that. What does that look like?
2: Yes, we're. I mean, we're certainly still you know building building some of that as we mm-hmm. go, uh, but you know because. One of the things is like when you, and this is probably one of the reasons I delayed for a long time, even though I said a long time ago, I was going to, going to hire somebody is, yeah, you know, being able to teach them certain processes within my company. When I'm the only one, there's a time commitment for me to you know, record a video or whatever that yeah. is to, to send. But so some of the things, you know, that she's done for doing for me is, you know, a lot more like say we're on a podcast, right? Like instead of me creating a lot of the content for it, she'll do some audio clips, from mm-hmm. podcasts, I guess, you know, fair amounts, like things like that to create for our, our social media, uh, things like, you know, she kind of helps draft some of my, like, you know, newsletter or investor reports uh, and things. And of course I, you know, you know, usually I'm the final one to push them out. And so that's kind of yep. you know, at this point, early stages, she preps things and I kind of like look through them. Uh, my wife actually has, has a podcast as well, separate from, nice. from the business, but in some of those like blank spots when I'm like, you know, I'm traveling the next two days. I don't have time to, you know, uh, teach her a new thing or, or whatever. She's also started helping like my wife with editing her podcast, which frees up space and better for the whole family. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and stuff. Uh, even simple things when we get like the school calendar or like the sports schedule and things like that, you know, we just forward it to her and she puts it in the calendar. So some, you know, personal and family uh, things of, of that nature. And nice. so uh, she's professionalized a lot of, you know, my, my like, Bio and you know credibility packets and things like that. She's doing a lot of of things. So, we're, so some things are like one time things. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're, some they're like weekly or or monthly. Uh, we we generally you know as far as like systems like I said some things we're still working on. But we use Asana you know to mm-hmm. kind of uh, track tasks and stuff. So uh, put put things in there and you know it's a lot easier than we do email sometimes back and back and forth. But mostly the tasks and you know any kind of files or whatever instructions a yeah. video whatever just all in there so it's easier uh to find and uh you know she has access to a lot of my account things through like last uh mm-hmm. you know just to, to you know that we're not sharing passwords and whatever uh, but she can get in to, to do those things so it's like i said it's uh it's kind of early it takes me some time to you know a lot of times what I, i've been doing and is as i do a task i'll just throw on you know loom or zoom or something and record and you know send it to her and uh, you know she'll usually gets 90 percent of it maybe has to come back and ask me like can you clarify a couple things Mm -hmm. and then from there it's kind of a something that she kind of takes over or so my my intent is just to continue to i've gotten a lot better where you know sometimes it's it's easier for me to just do it and take care of it and if it's only something that i'm going to do like once or twice you know maybe i will but if it is something that periodically happens within the business you know even if it's going to take me 10 minutes longer this time you know to which it usually doesn't take that long but like you know throw on the your camera and just talk through it as you're doing doing the task and you can just kind of off that you're playing a little bit
1: I've been. Uh, I've got an assistant that I've been. Uh, she's crushes it, and she's been doing awesome. I'm so happy that I that I I fired her. Um, but I know that I've got some more things I could hand off, and that the recording of the videos and everything. Every time I'm doing something, I was like, I should really just record myself doing this. And mm-hmm. I, like, it just it's, uh, um, it's tough. It's just tough to let go of some stuff too, and okay. realize that uh, hey. hey, like that's why you have somebody. Like,
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it's a lot easier for me though to. Uh You know, and I think easier for me to explain if I record a video versus like, you know, type it, type type it step by step. And for me to be able to do that, share my screen, she can like, you know, visually see what I'm doing as I'm talking about it. And Mm -hmm. and I've had her create like SOPs. So anytime Mm -hmm. I send something to her, one of the inherent tasks of that is to create a written SOP, right? So that should she not be with me at some point in the future. I already have that like library of SOPs for different tasks yeah. kind of created.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, it's, it's definitely a, uh, and maybe that's a military thing for us too. It's like, <laughs> there's an SOP yeah. for everything in the military is just what we do. Um, you know, the air force is really bad with it. I, I there was one Navy guy once who was, uh, was that was, um was some PME set or other and a Navy guy was like, yeah, we used to always say that, you know, if, uh, uh, if you need to make a decision in the air force, you know, you need to find an Oh six. That's the only person that can make a decision. Um, and then, uh, and then, you know, like, and it's gotta be in a reg somewhere. It's going to be written down somewhere. It's the only way that you can make a decision is the Oh six is going to look in the reg to know what it needs to do. Because like the air force is terrible with the amount of regs that we have. Um, it's unbelievable. But, uh, but I, th- I think the SOPs are, are extremely important, um, inside mm-hmm. the business side of the house. But, um, So uh, back onto the business stuff a little bit. So your kids, what do your kids think you do in business and like, how much do you expose them to what you do and what, you know, what is their kind of uh, understanding of what you do on the business side? Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting. And at the, at the age they are, it's hard for them
2: to have like in depth understanding necessarily, but I'm trying to, uh, try to teach that a little bit more, but it it is funny sometimes when I say like, Oh, I was talking to so-and-so and so and, and they're like, like, oh, Adam's doing real estate or Adam's in real estate, also. And mm-hmm. like, you know, sometimes like I, I want to ask them, like, what does doing real estate mean? But <laughs> like, uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, you know. But they, um, you have tried to teach them a little bit of lessons, so you know, not to get too far off track from that question. But you know, we've played like the uh, cash flow for kids and, and things uh, like that. Yeah. You know, on some of the, the finance level and things. So they are starting to grasp a concept around like. Assets and liabilities and things of that Mm -hmm. nature. Right. So, there, I I use that to kind of relate and some other things we do in the house with, you know, appliances or whatever, trying to teach them some of those baseline uh, finance uh, terminology and and skills, if you will. But they, I've taken them since we came back to the US, like down to Tulsa. So, Tulsa is where a lot of
4: our uh,
2: apartment communities are down there. And I've had the opportunity to take them down there and try to explain and talk to them about like, Hey, these are the people that we provide homes for. Mm-hmm. or, or like we have like onsite maintenance and uh, leasing and stuff and like here are the people that we provide a, you know, a job to. And so they mm-hmm. have some other like tangible things. So like they, they're well aware, you know, that we acquire apartment complexes in real estate. They're, they're well aware that I spend a lot of time talking to our like investors who invest with us and but i would say up until this last year it's been harder to kind of get them to grasp like what it is with real estate and stuff but now that i've had the opportunity for them to like put eyes on and so i think that that starts to come across a, a little bit a little bit better um yeah, but other other than that they know I spend a lot of time behind a computer screen. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that, that's yeah, my kids definitely understand that between the computer screen and the cell phone screen. Um what uh do you have intentions later on to kind of expose them a little bit more and if if you do what is that what are you hoping that that looks like as they grow up?
2: Yeah, I you know as I'd love to kind of get them more involved in in the business and not like in a, Um any way to kind of push them down the, that road if mm-hmm. that's not the road that they they want to go about but mostly just so they kind of understand the power of, of real estate, you mm-hmm. know, and the options that are available to them. Like a lot of people just don't know, like, oh, I can be a part of, you know, the, uh, acquiring apartment complexes or, or yeah. single family or whatever, whatever kind of real estate it is. Understand the pros and cons of things. And so, you know, one example recently. So this was actually before uh, I hired my assistant, but I think it's probably still important that I allow her to do it on occasion. Is I was working on like a newsletter or an investor report or something in uh inside. I use Active Campaign and since I found it, and so I was working on something. My daughter kind of walked by, and surprisingly, she was interested. Right, like most times i be behind a computer, it's like ah yeah, whatever. But yeah. she's kind of like, oh, what are you what are you working on and stuff. And so, so I kind of showed her how I created this and you know pulled pictures in and typed some stuff here. And she asked if she could help, and so I was like, yeah, sure, you know. And so I kind of like let her. I was showing her how to use the active campaign software and you know, how to do different things. And she was really enjoying it. Right. And so I think that 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 was kind of cool for me because a lot of times, you know, when they see, see us on the phone or all this kind of stuff, they're like, ah, real estate's kind of boring, you know? (laughs) And so whenever she's excited about something else about it, you know, it's an opportunity just to kind of bring them in uh, to the loop, to see different aspects of it, if you will. And, uh, even like this, back in early summer, I was speaking at a conference, a three day conference down in Nashville, and the family went with me uh, down there. And I didn't, you know, didn't make the kids sit through uh, three days of uh, real estate <laughs> presentations, but they did come in. You know, when I was speaking and mm-hmm. stuff, and they also kind of stayed in the room. My wife and the kids stayed in the room for a couple of more, like motivational uh, speakers, if you will, not necessarily real estate specific. But at one point in time, my son started to get a little, uh, a little antsy. my wife was Mm -hmm. going to take him i asked my daughter you know do you want to go or stay she's like no i want to stay you know and so that kind of you know made me a little warm and inside you know so things like that the the active campaign like exposing them like it was kind of intentional for them to hear some of those motivational speakers and yeah for sure see that there's some other stuff around the real estate other than you know the boring sitting behind the the computer uh, thing so like i said I, i don't want to push them into anything but like open up those opportunities and I, you know, kind of see when they, they do get excited about something
1: to see, you know, how they could maybe, you know, wh- where they, where they're a good fit or what they're interested in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, I, I'm a huge why guy and I've trained my kids to ask why all the time as well. Like, why do you do this? Why do you do that? Why do you do this? Um, so I've done what I can, uh, and I know I could do better, but to show them the why behind why daddy sits behind this computer all the day i time. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I've brought them to different properties that we own. Um, talk to them about the work that we're doing and what we, you know, having that exposure. So they understand that. Why, um, I need to do a better job of reminding them, you know, um, so that they can, they can have that connection, uh, as to just, just what, you know, what kind of impact we're able to have in the world and, you know, what we're doing. And, um, uh, same thing, similar to, you know, we've got ADPI, we've got our conference at the time of this recording next week. Um, and I'm, you know, by the time this comes out, it'll be already months ago. So it would have already been a very successful, exciting uh, conference. But now next week we we'll, we've got our conference. I'm bringing the kids with, uh, they get to go and see, you know, see what the company's doing and how many people get to be impacted by what we're doing and, um, hear the stories and be involved. And I'm like, I, I it, it excites me that I get to expose them to that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. and I just hope that I don't, uh, uh, A, I don't, you know, over oversaturate them with some stuff, you know, and make them want to run away from it, right? Because I think we've all seen some things as kids that we run away from that we never want to have have happen as adults, and then, you know, I, I don't want that to be the, be the case here. So it's finding that balance, but um, but also it's extremely important to me to to make sure that they understand business and what we're doing and again i don't care if they if they follow this i don't care if they join the military i don't care if they whatever it is they want to do but i want them to be exposed to as much as i can so um that's uh yeah, and i think it is a balance
2: it's kind of hard yeah it's kind of
1: yeah. i mean just like we were
2: talking about earlier with our parents and the, the work and things like that it's like especially like you know when i was living in england it mm-hmm. was really difficult because i couldn't like physically take them to our properties or whatever. yeah so a lot of it is like just talking or trying to explain or whatever but now that we're you know we're back here and you know, it, it still takes some effort. You know, it's three and a half hours, you know, to three and a half, four hours to a lot of our, our properties and stuff from where we live to Tulsa. And so, you know, it has to be kind of planned out to go down there, you know, in about three weeks or so, they're going to go down there with me for another weekend. Mm-hmm. And so you have to kind of plan that out to be able to take them or to go to conferences and things like that. But I, I think it's in, important for them to have that exposure. And, whether it's something that they, you know, take on and, and run with early on after school or, you know, and if not, maybe not. Maybe, they, like you said, they go do something else. Uh, yeah, but it, it's, I think it'll be in the back of their mind, right? They'll always, at least, will have, been, have exposed and, and know that it's, it's an opportunity and, um, you know, it might be a few years down the road, but I think it will be impactful. Yeah.
1: Um, so what is one area you think you are absolutely crushing it as a dad? <clears throat> Man,
2: this might be a better question for my, my wife. I'm not sure. Uh, like, like anything. Other no, it's than time I, like, to teach your own, ride own ride horn. Ride. Let's hear it. Yeah. yeah. It's always hard to write our own a, a eval and pit rep and stuff mm-hmm. in, the, in the military, isn't it? So, I think right now, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, is one of the things I'm most proud of in the, in the last year is saying yes. Yes. Uh, my children, when mm-hmm. when they desired my time, right? And that seemed that might seem like very simple, um, and stuff, but uh, you know, certainly, as I mentioned earlier, it was hard in England, even at times, because I get home from my work, and I was trying to build this business, a lot of that was in the evening, and you know, mentally, I was thinking I was present with them, like my, my desk was in the corner of the living room, and they're in the mm-hmm. same room, and like, oh, yeah, we're spending time together, uh, <laughs> but it wasn't quality present time, right? And so. In the in the last year, all through that, like you know, calendar planning and everything like that. Uh, right now, like I, I really really desire to say yes when they ask for my time, and there are some instances in which um, they ask, and I'm like, man, I really wanted to do X right now, or I have mm-hmm. a thousand things to do, and uh, uh, I think for the most part, I've been good at pausing and just kind of. You know, not, yeah, in a little bit or whatever. It's like, yes, we can go do that right now. And, you know, sometimes it's only 15 minutes, you know, whatever they ask yeah. me to do. Sometimes it, literally 15 minutes later, they've, you know, the, the neighborhood kids or whoever here, and they've shifted gears and, and doing something else. But I just think that it was very easy for me to say, yeah, I'll do that in a little bit before. And then by the time I was done, like, okay, they've done. I was, almost celebrate that they'd found something else to do you know, so that I could continue to work. And yeah. so I think that mental shift for me to be, um, to say yes, 90 plus percent of the time uh, when I can has uh, is something I think is important that I'm doing, doing pretty well at the moment.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, and that's a extremely difficult thing to do, especially when you're the type of person who's wanting to be productive and get your business yeah. done and go through all the stuff. And, you know, so what, what kind of tips would you give a dad out there that is struggling with that? um um to to help them kind of ease that that concern and try to and actually be able to execute and saying yes to their kids
4: uh, yeah it, it's it's hard we, we've uh,
2: i think we you know we've talked about a lot of different aspects of that i think one thing is the mental thing for me it, you know sometimes it's been like literally like reading some books you know going you know like the uh the family board meeting like when you mentally think like man i only have 18 years um yeah. that type of stuff or the you know when we look at statistics of the percentage of you know how much time we spend in those first 18 years with our kids versus like after that and like yeah so often as we mentioned earlier as entrepreneurs say hey, i'm doing this for the family but by the time this is where we want it to be they're gone right and you know out of the house you know mm-hmm. and so am I really going to get to enjoy whatever it is I'm trying to achieve in the business and stuff with them if if they're already gone? And so some of it might you know depending on where people are, what they have already done, and stuff I mean it, it might be um, you know some education you know or reminders from that perspective. Some of it could be you know joining you know I, you know I think uh, you know tribes like we're in with other men that yeah. are uh, in my opinion, pretty high-performing um, individuals that have likely went through some of the same challenges, right? I think mm-hmm. that a lot of times we keep it to ourselves or we voice it, but man, when we're when we're in these these tribes, like all these men have uh, have gone through or are going through similar things, and I I think that has been really impactful for me this past eighteen months or so as well, because it's not just like you go you know read a book and okay yeah ninety five percent of the time, but it's like it's this continuous yeah. cycle of every week we're having conversations and we're going to drift, you know, we're going to drift, but one of those men are going to make a comment or, or check us a little bit and kind of bring us back where, you know, they're going to say like, Hey, you said saying yes to your children was a priority, mm-hmm. but why, so why aren't you saying yes to your, your children? So, you know, as okay. as we kind of talk through this, a lot of those like Joining a tribe with other men might be one of the most important tips I could yeah. probably give because all these other things that I'm thinking about, like designing the calendar and all of that kind of stuff, those are the types of things that you know, the men can kind of check you on a little bit yeah. as you're having those you know, continuous conversations.
1: For me, I think that, that adding that, that extra piece of the why as well. Again, I'm, I love yeah. to know why things are happening. I, um, and I've joked about it previously on the podcast, but it, that might be why I didn't fit so well in the military uh, there towards the end is because I really started to ask why an awful lot, and the military doesn't really like that. They're like, eh, well, because yeah. we said so. And that's, well, that's yeah, not, I don't, yeah. I don't really like that. Like, I want to know why I'm doing it. I feel like I'm wasting my time, right? Um, so if you really want to have that involvement with your kids, if you want to have that stuff going on, why is it? that you want to be able to say yes. Like, truly, why is it? Not, oh, because I want to be there for my kids. Okay, great. We all want to be there for our kids. Um, so, like, why is it that, like, what is it that you feel like they're going to be missing out on? What does it feel like you're going to be missing out on? Like, write it down. Understand what the reason is behind it. And, you know, um, you had a similar situation with your with your daughter when she was four. And, and, you know, why are you home? It's light outside, you know, when when I had my son come running up to me, taking the trash out, daddy, 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 don't leave again. And it's like, I don't, like, to me, the, I, I tie that back oftentimes to my why. Like, to me, that is mm-hmm. like those kids, that face that I never want to see again is why. You know, like that's why I'm going to go say yes right now. That's why I'm going to go walk out the door. That's why I don't stop them from coming into the podcast. That's why I want to make sure I'm always there. Um, so, if yeah. I can replay that face in my brain again and go, no, this, this is why. Like, and I can tie that to something. That's why I'm writing this down on my calendar. That's why I'm starting this podcast. That's why I'm having this conversation with Marcus, because I don't want to see yeah. that face again. Um, that's awesome, but man, it, it's uh, it's awesome. But man, does it hurt? Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, it, yeah. it's
2: Well, you know, I agree. But yeah, it's 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 awesome that you have something identified that's that strong, right? Yeah. To, to to be able to kind of hold you to it and to be able to to recognize that. And I think that I mean that alone is is a step further than you know. I would be making up a percent if I said, but a, a vast majority of of men,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, uh, you know. Too often, we just we, we take the the traditional answer. Like everyone says, "I'm doing it for my family." Actually, you know, most people say, "I'm doing it for my family" or whatever. Yeah. But as, as you mentioned, like what what tangibly, like you know, when, and when you have something that's that tangible to be able to to describe, or you know, for me, and like I said, we, we had similar circumstances, but also like like recognizing the memories and things that we had. In, in my own youth, you know, and they didn't, they, a lot of them didn't require a lot of money and other things. It's like mm-hmm. good memories because our family was present together, right? And yeah. so I'm sure there's like some stuff from my own upbringing stuff that drives some of that desire to, you know, to be present with them on a regular basis as yeah. well.
1: Yeah. For me, like some of that upbringing side is a, is a big part of it too. Is like my dad worked multiple jobs rather often um he was gone all the time you know uh doing what he thought was best for the family and i it, i didn't it wasn't until i got older that i really understood like why he was the way he was and what he was doing um uh, but then it it ties a lot into why i'm doing what i'm doing as well it's like i you know i want to i want to i want to be here all the time i want to take them to golf practice i want to be there for you know when they go to hockey i want to be there for all this stuff because i didn't really have that a lot and i, I was missing that um uh, I try to, when I, I'm not always, as I'm saying this, I don't feel like I do a very good job with it, but it's, it's one of those, are you running away from something or are you running towards something type of things? Right. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I don't want to always be running away from what I what i missed so that i can be running towards what i think they need but more i want to run towards them all the time and what they actually need not versus what i think they need so uh, it's a conversation that needs to be had with the kids too on what like or you know it's not like a what do you actually need out of me as a dad right that's not the, that's not what i mean by the conversation yeah. but more like understanding who they are as a as a human being and what it is that that drives them or how to, like what kind of things do they feel is love and what kind of things do they feel mean something to them that I can provide? Um, and I, I think that's going to make a big yeah, difference. It's, it, you know, it's interesting.
2: You can you joke around about that, like not being in the conversation, but, um, you know, you might be surprised yeah. sometimes if you just ask, you know, may, maybe not, what do you need of mm-hmm. me as a dad, but maybe it's, you know, how do you think I'm doing as a dad? Right. Like, mm-hmm. To be blatantly honest we have to be prepared again for that reception like they might say something that we <laughs> uh we didn't see coming or don't really want to hear but they'll be honest a lot of times right and i think and we can probably filter some stuff if it's just mm-hmm. like oh we don't we don't buy them all the toys in the world that yeah. they want but there there might also be some some pretty valuable um something they say that that is pretty valuable that we don't forget mm-hmm. and that we can assign some action uh to it to kind of address that you know there might be something we're not doing that they would they would love for us to to do with them or something for sure. we all we do that they're like you know why do you do that so
1: anyway, i think even point, so. even what you said though like you know you're not buying me all the toys in the world okay but does that mean that me as a father am i putting like are, are my wife and i putting tangible things on such a pedestal that they think they need to be owning all these things. I mean, obviously, every kid wants to buy a bunch of stuff. Don't get me wrong. It's just a matter of how can we change that perspective, too, on, on what, yeah. what that is. So, they could be telling you something that is nowhere near what they're saying, but they're still telling you something, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. But what, what do you think, um, to go to the opposite end of the spectrum, what do you think you're really, you know, like, missing, missing the boat on as a dad that you think that you should be, that you're either already working on, or that, if you were honest, you should be working on? Yeah. So I think that probably one of the
2: biggest things that I haven't done well is and and they're still younger, you know, so mm-hmm. there is some time, but like when I think about some of the things that I had growing up and some of it has to do kind of like, you know, maybe like where we live or things like it's not as easy just to go outside and do it. You have to kind of plan ahead, but you know when you think about like things like you know changing the oil in a vehicle or like you know how to hunt or things like that it kind of goes back to those experiences right but you know as, as i think about some of that kind of stuff i think there's importance in, and maybe my, my son doesn't like to hunt or they never want to change their own oil or things but i, I still think mm-hmm. that there's like there's value in and maybe it's not the changing the oil itself. Maybe it's the experience that you as a father and a son or you as a father and a daughter um, have together doing that and stuff, right? And so I think that I have to be, you know, I'll go outside and I'll play ball with them. And we as a family, you know, have done the, you know, we travel and that's, you know, we've done some of that. We can plan to continue to do that from an experience perspective. Uh, but I think I have to be more willing to, uh, and, and, some, sometimes it's probably a fear of my own, like, man, I used to change my own. I haven't done it for a long time or like <laughs> with all the moving around, like, you know, we have, I have some friends that go on hunting trips every year, but, and I enjoyed hunting when I lived in a rural yeah. area, but I haven't been hunting for a long time. So now it's like this fear of like, Oh, do I even know how to do some of these things anymore yeah. that well, you know, it, to be able to actually teach them without going to, you know, YouTube university, uh, or something. And so, uh, they're young, you know, and at nine and six, I'm not sure, you know, there's probably plenty of examples of those, but I, I think as they kind of get up into their double digit, you know, years, some of those things, uh, could be important moments, mm-hmm. you know, and not, not, I use those kind of as a couple of examples. There's probably a lot of, a lot of other things, but
1: Okay. So is it is it more I don't know what the word it want to be quality time is not the what I'm looking for but like truly giving them is it more like you want to be teaching them more hands-on things or is it more you want to be giving them more experiences cuz you you kind of got went down both of those roads.
4: Yeah, I don't I just um I don't
3: necessarily yes, I
2: know the whole <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm trying to think about, like, I don't necessarily know that those like hands on those specific, like hands on things are what are important to me. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I think it is the, like the moments, the experiences and they are getting experiences in other ways, but I think that those types of things are a different kind of a different kind of experience. Yeah. Right. And I think there's a different, uh you know maybe bond and things that happening in in some of those moments and i guess i was just you know thinking through like the time i spent with my father and a lot of the things that we did were very hands-on you know like mm-hmm. machinery broke broke down out in the pasture and stuff and like like i'm not really like a, that much of an automotive guy myself right so i'm probably not gonna be the one teaching how to change brakes and all that kind of stuff and so but i think that in those moments of, you know, of doing some of those hands-on things it's a different kind of experience together than some of the things that we're probably doing.
1: Yeah. I think it creates an opportunity for conversations that wouldn't have typically happened for mm-hmm. connections and bonding that wouldn't have typically happened. So, um, you know, I, I think that, that challenging yourself to go out and do that so that you do mm-hmm. feel that connection and that bonding, you know, and whatever it is that they want to do. I think that's going to be, um, yeah. I, I think that I, you know, as we're sitting here thinking about this, you know,
2: like if, um, you know, it probably gave me an opportunity to see my, my dad be creative, you know, like mm-hmm. you know, trying to, how do we, how do I figure out something, uh, how something works or like, Hey, let's, tr- we're building something or whatever. Like, Hey, what, you know, extra lumber pieces do we have over there that we can, you know, make, make this work and things like that. So that, an opportunity to that. And I also, you know, I think there's some opportunities in there where they get to see us make mistakes, Yes, you know, as parents and that we, we let them see that it's okay to make mistakes. Right. And that we can recover from it. Like, okay, we we messed that up.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. I think that's a lesson for us. Like, sometimes we can get frustrated in, in doing those things. You know, I'll probably do some projects around the house and it should be easier than what it is. Right. And you get a little bit frustrated. But I think those are opportunities where like, Hey, you know, dad made a mistake. That's all right. We'll, we'll fix this, you know. And so I think it's important for them to be able to see some of that kind of stuff
1: so i don't, I don't make mistakes, so I can't answer this question, but can you yeah, yeah. tell me why you think it's important that the kids see you make mistakes? like what's, and, and how how do you or would you prefer to talk to your kids about the mistakes that you made?
3: I hundred percent think it's important for them to see see us make mistakes
2: and, and realize that they do and you know some of the reasons I think that is like you, know, my daughter uh, specifically is a bit of a perfectionist in many ways. Hmm. And, um, Why well, don't I understand that? Yeah. And I, I'm sure she comes by it honestly, you know, f- from her parents and the way, that, mm-hmm. the way that we approach things or things that we say and stuff. And so we probably didn't have an appreciation for that sometimes, but she, throughout her, her school and stuff, we have been told like, you know, she does great work, but she's very slow, mm-hmm. you know, at, at doing the work sometimes. Or, you know, she gets upset if she's drawing something there's like one like little you know, slither pin over here or whatever. Like she's gotten you know, better where she's like, oh, I'll just make something new with it now. But like for a long time, it's like, oh no, it's not perfect. I'm gonna throw that away and and start over. And and even other things, like when when maybe there was a little bit of a um you know disagreement or something like that, you know, comments that she made about like, you know, it's it's my my fault, like her saying that about herself. Because Mm of X, you know, or Y. And so I, I just think it's important for us to reveal, like, hey, I make a mistake too. You know, I I tried to do things like there's times, you know, maybe I raised my voice or something. And what I realized after is like, they didn't do anything wrong. Like I was in a bad moment. Right. And so I used to be like, I don't have to go apologize. I don't have to say anything. And I have a different mindset about that now. You know, like I'll, I'll go back to them and say, hey, you know, I apologize for, for raising my voice for yelling like sure um i was really upset about something totally different and mm-hmm. you just happen to be in the wrong place at that point in time and so you know i think when we come and apologize in those kind of situations they understand that like we make mistakes in different ways like it gives them a little bit more there's a lot of pressure on her right if she thinks she has to be perfect yeah. about everything and i you know i think that as they get older and stuff that can be a dangerous dangerous route you know if Mm -hmm. if they think that to be perfect and don't understand that it's okay to make mistakes so that we can recover for them Um, and some what some of the consequences might be you know for them not understanding that
1: yeah yeah my my oldest is the same way with the perfectionism and stuff and it's i've tried to set that up to where he sees me make the mistakes and he sees me do all this stuff and um and now he just came to me and he's
3: are
4: you all done Huh?" okay
1: nice he just got done with school
4: yay Great.
1: um awesome. but uh but yeah the, the perfectionism thing has been something i've been working hard on and i, I just yeah. you know i've i've tried to show that like it, hey like this is part of learning it's making these mistakes and daddy makes these mistakes too and you know and then part of it is when wondering and and tell you like you were just saying it that it made me kind of wonder like because i i do the same thing like i i I want to encourage them to know when they made a mistake and be able to admit it and be able to work through it and apologize. And apologizing is a very good thing. And knowing that you made a mistake so you can grow from it is a very good thing. Um, but uh, oftentimes I'll, I'll put things on me and head. That's completely daddy's fault. Like I, I made this mistake. And then as you were saying that, I was like, boy, I wonder if that's one of the reasons he also does it, right? If I've gone, and I don't think it's <clears> gone <throat> too far, right? But where he's like, okay, well, yeah. I need to own all these things just like my dad does. And it's like, ah, boy, I don't know. I don't. Know. I, I, I'm I'm working through the thought uh, literally as as we're talking. So I don't really know what that what that actually looks like. But um, I've been really working hard on it the last few weeks of trying to figure out how I can make sure that he allows himself to make mistakes mm-hmm. and learn from what is happening around him and know that. Um, just because you made a mistake doesn't mean you're a terrible human being. Like, just because you didn't know how to spell that spelling word doesn't mean, right. you know, you're a terrible human being. Right. Um, and, and he'll take, I mean, just literally spelling, like, you know, he's, he tested at a sixth grade level for spelling. He's in fourth grade. Um. So we've got him through the sixth grade spelling list. He's going through all this stuff, and he'll miss a word that he's never had to spell before, that he's never even heard of before, and he misspells it. He's like, "I can't believe I didn't spell that right. I'm so stupid." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> like, oh, I have you're not, no idea. You're how are not to stupid that. because you've never seen the word before. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Uh, just golly, but, but you know, and and it's it's trying to discuss something at an emotional level instead of a intellectual level, as uh, you know, yeah. logical level because it's it's not logical to be upset about that, but emotionally he is he is. So man, it's tough to yeah. work through. And I think you know. Uh, Not necessarily on the perfectionist start of, but I,
2: you know, as parents, we have to talking about like thinking through things, whether you know it is logical, emotion, or whatever it is. Like Mm -hmm. we have to kind of look at and and each child's different, as we know, you know how they react to stuff, and you know that goes back to like I when I first had our daughter and stuff. You know, I thought I'd be a pretty stern parent. You know, I mean, my Mm -hmm. my dad was stern; he didn't like yell a lot necessarily, but like you know still it was pretty stern and like our years in the military and things and you know when my daughter was younger like the first few times like i really raised my voice or yelled you know she shut down you know absolutely just shut down and i I learned real quick that like that's not going to work yeah right like she isn't reacting to that and so you know getting down on like my knees looking at her in the eyes and saying hey you know having a conversation you know, in a normal tone of voice and talking about like what went wrong, what can we learn from it, what can we do better? Yeah. Things like that was a lot more effective, you know, than anything. So I think with all these things, it's kind of a um, you know, it's on the job training a little bit and oh, with each child sure. a little bit different differently. But I think that we have to um we, you know, as fathers and stuff, can't just you know, nonchalantly or routinely go through and, and we we tend to Go back to what we how we grew up right like this mm-hmm. is how i was parented or whatever and you said like you said you either go towards something or against it but even when we're either way we can't just like be routine about yeah. like hey this is how i'm gonna parent you know i think we have to accept some of those signals back and and try to you know adjust rudder a little bit to use a, a mm-hmm. naval terminology in there <laughs> uh, and in our approach and stuff and sometimes it sometimes i think that's hard you know we have some pride in like I'm going to parent this way. This is what I, this yeah. this way we always thought we were going to do it. And, you know, we have to be able to uh, take some of that feedback and adjust to, to still get the, you know, hopefully the result in stuff that we desired, but in a different way.
1: Yeah. I completely. And I think we do that with our business oftentimes too, right? I mean, if you look yeah. at the market, right? And we say, okay, well, the market's doing this. So I need to be able to adjust here. I've never, I've never operated my business in this type of market, but I think this is my best bet. You know, and I, I look at my boy and I'm like, hey, I've never, I've never parented an eight year old before. So, you know, I, I, I'm learning how to do this just like you are. So mm-hmm. now this is my new environment. This is my new, my, you know, every day my son is a new, a new kiddo. Like how, how can I parent you better? You know, I've never been, uh, you know, and even, even like I've told him before, I was like, well, yes, now I, I have parented a four year old boy before. But I've never parented a four-year-old boy that has an eight-year-old brother who's also teaching him things. So now I yeah. have to, like that's a new environment and everything is new. Yeah. Like all of this is new. I got to be able to adjust fire and and, and move we about. Were, uh, uh, I
2: was just I was in a conference, real estate conference last week. So we mm-hmm. were talking about business, right? And we were, yep. uh, there was a lot of discussion about the the OODA loop. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. So sure you're familiar with those, those non-military, like observe, orient, decide and act, right? And it's like yeah. that, that feedback, feedback circle. And as you mentioned, like business and stuff, I was like, in in many ways, that's the same thing we're doing, you know, with, uh, with our relationships and our raising, you know, raising kids and things like that as well. For sure.
1: All right. So, um, is there anything that you would like to bring up that we haven't talked about yet? Do you have anything that, uh, or any questions for me at all as we're coming close to an end on this one?
4: And I, um, we've kind of hit on, you know, quite a few, quite a few aspects and not to go back, too,
2: too deep into it. I guess one, you know, one kind of question maybe, uh, before we kind of wrap up would just be, um, maybe on some like age appropriate, like kids financial type stuff. So we talked about hmm. business and things, but, you know, you know, throughout we at the uh, cash flow for kids, Robert Kiyosaki and different things. I'm just kind of curious, uh, you know, with your kids' ages and stuff like that, if you have any unique, um, w- one of the things like we kind of did in, in our house while we are in England is sold the kids like a microwave and toaster and turn that into like, we rented it out. And um, now that we're here, you know, plan to start kind of doing that with like the laundry and things, Mm -hmm. but just if there's any kind of creative or anyone else out there listening, you know, when, when they hear this, if people have creative things that they have done uh, for those kids, cause I think it's important, you know, there's different age appropriate stuff. But also as we've been talking about other things that uh, different kids will learn differently too, whether Mm -hmm. that's through a book, through a game, through something, you know, real life, uh, going on. So, uh, yeah, I just, whether it's you or, uh, others listening, I'm always interested in hearing kind of what they did and, and how that worked. So something we can incorporate in our own household as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I think for me, there's, there's, um, I've, I'm always trying to ask that same question. Um, so, uh, I started wanting to, well, I, I talk to the kids about money all the time. I talk to them about finances. I help them, you know, kind of understand investing and what that actually means through conversation. And um, uh, even if it's you know learning how to invest, you know, twenty dollars that you earned by pulling weeds out in the front yard uh, into something, and let's let's turn that into thirty five dollars. Let's turn that you know let's grow these things and, and show it how it all works. And um, uh, but I think, honestly, the cash flow game is something that I really want to go by because mm. I've heard nothing but great yeah. things about playing that with your kids. Um, you know, my son actually we played Monopoly and my oldest son kicked my butt with some Monopoly. I don't know. I'm like, I mean he's gonna be a killer real estate investor apparently later on in <laughs> life because he was crushing me in that game. Um uh but it was a lot of fun to to play. But it's it's you know. Uh I don't know. I I, I would love, you know, anybody that's listening again, yeah, put it put it down in the comments. So yeah. there's one um now, I haven't looked through all of them yet, so don't take this as as great advice, but there's a, a thing called the Tuttle Twins. Um, they have various different um, – actually, I've got some books back here on the – Uh, so they've got, uh, I bought them for like the homeschool stuff, but, um, you know, mm-hmm. the, the food truck fiasco. So it talks about these kids creating this food truck and, and you know, going through all the stuff and, um, the messed up market It talks about like different market stuff. So then we could talk about, you know, what's going on and th- you know, they're, they're coming yeah. more from a libertarian, very free market type of type of, uh, Uh, aspect and again i haven't read all of these yet but it's it's been good thus far being able to have these conversations about what what this looks like and what kind of uh what entrepreneurship looks like and what growing a business looks like and um you know this is why daddy does what he does and uh, but like the actual tactical stuff is a little bit different i mean uh, i'm uh part of my homeschool this year is going to be to create a um uh so what I'm looking for, vending machine route. Um, and try to get a couple nice. of vending machines and teach them supply and demand through that. And you know, I can help do some math through um uh through the spreadsheets and show them, you know, hey, this is this is where our money comes and goes on the, the vending yeah. machine side of the house. And that's uh, that's, so that's one I, thing I'm probably to do. Uh, I know a
2: couple of people that have you know, probably young teenagers or something mm-hmm. that are doing the vending machine thing. It seems to be a pretty solid uh solid option to teach some of those lessons with.
1: Yeah. I started off wanting to do houses and then, because I'm a real estate guy, so that's that's what right. fit in my brain. Um, and then I, I heard about the vending machines through, I don't remember where, even where I was, but somebody said something about vending machines. I said, like, that? I think a bag of Doritos would match my son's personality a whole lot better than an HVAC system. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, yeah. Let me see if I can uh, adjust fire and look at that. So that's kind of the route I've gone, but um hopefully we have somebody that uh one or two people that can put some comments in for both of us to be able to kind of look at it i've got a buddy of mine aaron velke he i don't know if he still has it but he had uh, a like a um, financial education uh program for kids specifically to teach kids about money and all of that so um you know he tried to do it more uh, in schools um and try to get get it as a borderline curriculum inside of schools but um i know that it was open to other people but um he I don't even know again if he's still doing that or not, but uh but yeah, it's great
2: I think that a couple of the conferences I've been to recently and stuff, and I know there's a couple of them that are almost starting like kids' masterminds, if you will
1: hmm.
2: um, and stuff there, and some of those are probably more appropriate like kind of in the a little bit of the teenage years if you yeah. if you will so my my children are probably uh, a little bit young for for that, you know, but i yeah i'm just I'm just always interested in you know open to Ideas that people have to kind of teach in, uh, teach in different ways, and just kind of get them ex- exposed to them, hopefully in a you know somewhat interesting way uh, mm-hmm. for them.
1: Yeah, yep. Yeah, we uh, one one person. I don't remember where I heard it, but it was one of those uh, as far as teaching kids about the use- usefulness of money and how they could do it. Like give them, uh, hey, you guys know what we eat every week, and you know, even even for you know a nine year old um, like our kids, like it just here's here's fifty dollars. Go walk around the grocery store and see what you could buy for your fifty dollars, and kind of understand, you know, what it takes. Like, hey, this is how we earn fifty dollars, and then this is what it, this is what you're spending. So, you know, mm-hmm. understanding what what the effort it was to be able to get the amount of groceries you have in your in your cart. Just thinking about things a little bit differently. And if you know, if you buy seventeen boxes of cereal, mm-hmm. you're already at fifty bucks, and now you don't have dinner. You only have breakfast. I mean, granted, I can eat cereal yeah. all three meals of the day. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but you know. But that was another thing that somebody recently told me about that I was going to, that I wanted to kind of implement as well. But just to get them thinking differently. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. But, I appreciate that. All right. Well, Marcus, it was an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much for jumping on. Um, if somebody wanted to to reach out to you, get a hold of you, um, you know, l- learn some more about the passive investing side of the house or anything else, how can they get a hold of you?
2: Yeah. I think the, you know, the best place probably is alonglegacy.com. So a longlegacy.com. And, there's a, there's a calendar on there. You can schedule some time to chat. It's got my email address, Marcus dot com, And you know, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, any of that, but all the social media is, is on the website. So, um, awesome. yeah, if anyone wants to get in touch, if I can help them in any way, uh, I'd love to connect.
1: Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for jumping on. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Um, hopefully we get some good comments down there and giving us some tips on, uh, on how to, uh, uh, expose our kids a little differently to money than we're and finances than we're actually looking at right now. But, um, again, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Everybody appreciate you listening please, uh, do the like, comment, all those things that I'm supposed to say at the end of a podcast that I almost always forget to say, um, uh, share with all of your friends, listen to it 15 times, do all of the fun stuff. So, uh, thank you again, everybody. And we'll see you on the next one.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Biz Dad Podcast. We hope you found some value in your time here with us, and we look forward to bringing you the next episode. If you've enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and share so you and your friends won't miss our upcoming episodes. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Rumble, where we continue these discussions and share more valuable content. Be the dad you know you need to be and run your business in a way you're proud to share with your kids keep crushing it